Uh, Genesis chapter 16, if you have your Bibles or a phone, go there. I would like to share with you a message entitled, Welcome Stranger. Um, the person you're sitting next to is a very strange person. And we'd like to share with you a little bit of how and why that is. When I searched the internet for the story of Hagar, of Sarai and Hagar, this is what ultimately came up. I don't know if you remember this or not, but this cartoon of Hagar the Horrible. And it was an amazing uh, cartoon. I guess it had its wonderful time. And then I searched the, searched the internet and, and, and looked for other images. And uh, images came up that I had to censor because we have kids in, in the room regarding the story of Abraham and Sarah and Hagar. As if you, we will read the story. They are barren. Um, Sarai isn't able to have children. And so Sarai says, here, take my handmaiden, Hagar. What I found um, at least intriguing about this particular depiction is if you remember, Sarai and Abraham are very old. They're in their 80s. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but there is no mention of the age of Hagar. So if she is the servant or the slave girl of Sarai, there's all sorts of possible options regarding her age. And this image depicted that. Now, this is kind of a more renaissance you know, obviously, a late, this is not a Polaroid picture of the actual couple, just in case anybody's wondering. But it does give a little bit of the impression. The reason why I love to show these images, and we like to talk about these things here at Spark, is because we often forget about the very visceral, real implications of these stories. These are real people, real flesh, real bones, real ages, real uh, emotions and stuff like this. And so that helps us to get involved in what is really going on here. However, every single image is ultimately going to fall short, so we do our best to try to supplement that by just using Legos. So we're going to follow the Hagar and Sarai story with Legos, and you can follow along in your Bibles and mark a couple things if you would like. However, I'm going to show you a couple pictures from the Brick Testament as we read the story, Genesis chapter 16. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar, so she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. <laughs> Perhaps I can build a family through her. I can't believe I had to censor out Legos. Um, Abra, this is the Brick Testament. I can't believe it. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar, gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. <laughs> Look, she's so angry in that picture. Your slave is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. <clears throat> Abram or you know, Luke Skywalker, depending upon how you want to depict that. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. All of a sudden, Hagar found some sort of clothing. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. 
The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son she she had born. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael. Now, there's all sorts of um, different perspectives. We've talked before about reading the Bible, not just linearly, but in layers. And so one of the layers um, of this is a little bit about what's really going on with concubinage and slave girl and what's about the mistress and, you know, all these kinds of things. That's one layer of the story. And I've heard a lot of sermons. I've probably given them myself about Abraham kind of being a little bit of a doofus. You know, it's kind of like, oh, we're not having children. Sarai says, take my handmaid. Abraham says, okay, if you say so, kind of a deal. And he's almost a little bit kind of a non-player in this whole kind of a deal. So there's all sorts of different layers. This evening, I want to share with you the message entitled, Welcome, Stranger. Because there's something in this story with the names of these characters that I think illuminates something that affects the grand, full story of what God is doing from Genesis all the way to Revelation. Now, the way to say stranger in Hebrew is gar or ger. You can say ger, kind of a deal. Um, that's how you would say stranger. In fact, if you wanted to you know, tell somebody that you think they're strange, just say kind of a deal, next to them. Now, the word gar or ger in Hebrew is translated multiple ways. It can mean stranger, it can mean resident alien. Sometimes it's translated foreigner or sojourner, somebody who's traveling to a different place. I want to make sure that we're clear because we do have kids and just make sure that you understand we are not talking about stranger danger. We're not talking about that kind of stranger. And regarding alien, we're not talking about these kind of aliens Those are Roswell, New Mexico aliens. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is a status or a position that somebody has within a community that would cause them to be different. Somebody that may not have the same privileges or rights or legal status. Somebody who is in a little bit of a different position than the majority of the populations. To be a stranger in a land means that you somehow are missing out on all of the rights and the privileges and the protections that come with being a full citizen of that land. That's what it means to be a stranger. And if you read your Bible carefully, there's tons and tons of themes regarding this idea of stranger, somebody who is in a foreign place or foreign people um, that you are visiting or that are visiting you. And the Bible is very clear in many places about how you are to treat people who are strangers. Strangers for us, and in this story, can be unfamiliar. People that you're just not quite sure about. It can cause some discomfort. You're uncomfortable with their presence. Very, probably very much similar to Hagar with Sarai. You know, Hagar all of a sudden got pregnant. And now all there's, there's this tension that exists there. She's an Egyptian. What's an Egyptian doing in so close to this family line? There can be some intimidation. This other, this other person, this foreigner, this sojourner who has come into your community may have a context or may have information or an ethnicity or an intelligence or an education that is unfamiliar to you that could possibly be intimidating to you. It's kind of like saying another level of it is you're not from around here, are you? Um, very similar to, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Now, the JPS Torah Commentary, which stands for the Jewish Publication Society, sums up this way. 
Everywhere in the Near East, which is where these stories were written, everywhere in the Near East, the resident alien, Hebrew Ger, the stranger, was without legal rights and protection, and here's the key thing, was wholly dependent upon the goodwill of the local community. When you are a stranger in a foreign land, because you don't have any rights, privileges, property, etc., protections, you are wholly, fully dependent upon the people upon which you are visiting, the people that you're now in community with. This is key to this story. Why? Because multiple times in this story, this idea of stranger pops up. Know that your offspring is going to be strangers. If you read the story of Abraham, God even tells Abraham, listen, you are going to sojourn, which is that same word, ger. You're going to be a foreigner in a foreign land in Egypt. He tells him in a dream in Genesis 15, your descendants are going to be foreigners, strangers in a land. All throughout the story, and and we can take some time to study this and read this, Jacob, Isaac, these are people that are saying, I recognize that the place that I am in is because my father was a foreigner or was a stranger, and I am now growing up or inheriting this place that I am in. Now, why is this important? The Sarai and Hagar story comes in Genesis 16. This comes after, if we read it in a chronological sense, comes after Abraham has been told, you yourself are going to be a stranger, and your descendants are going to be strangers. So the context in which this Sarai and Hagar story come is within the context of Abraham should know, I am a stranger too. He should understand what this concept means, and he should embrace that identity because God is telling him that is who and what you are going to be. In fact, even to um, this day in modern Hebrew, if you wanted to say, where do you live? You say, where do you live? Gar, it's the same word. To live someplace, actually, means that you are in a somehow foreign, you're in a strange land. If you read your NIV, these are from a different translation. If you read your NIV, it'll say where Abraham went to live. If you read the Hebrew behind it, it is most likely that word gar, where you are to be a stranger, where you are to be a foreigner, where you are to not be, to be a resident alien. Now, let's add one more piece, and then we're going to read the story again. Add to that the fact that biblical names always have meanings. Abram's name means great and exalted father. Sarai's name means princess and beautiful. If you remember some of the stories, like, my wife is so beautiful. Hagar's name, do you hear it? Hagar, the stranger. And Ishmael means God will hear. If we tie together this idea of stranger, how you're to treat strangers, and the fact that Abraham himself should know what a stranger is and how a stranger should be treated, this illuminates maybe what's going on in the story. Again, one layer. We can have some wonderful discussions about what's right and what's wrong about sleeping with who. But what I'd like to illuminate is maybe there's something, a story and a lesson that God is trying to illuminate through these characters. So if we read this story again, replace the names with their meanings. Let's see what happens. 
Now, the princess, or Sarai, the great father's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named the stranger. So she said to the great father, great father, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Sounds like a possible fulfillment of what God is trying to tell with, to Abram, that you're going to have many children and great nations come out of you. Great father agreed to what princess said. So, he, so after great father had been living in Canaan 10 years, princess took his wife, <clears throat> princess his wife took her Egyptian slave, the stranger, gave her to her husband to be his wife, slept with the stranger, and she conceived. Let's change the story a little bit. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then princess said to great father, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Let's pause for just a moment. What's happened here if we just take a look at the analogy of the story? God has given Abram a promise of children, and it is the stranger. It is the stranger who is bringing about this promise. But Sarai is very upset about this. That's a foreigner. That's a stranger. That's a resonating alien. This is somebody who does not belong here. And then this. Your slave is in your hands, great father said. Do with her whatever you think best. Go back to that quote from JPS. A resident alien, a stranger, is wholly dependent upon the protection of the people in whom they reside. What is Abraham doing here? He is neglecting the very purpose of who he's supposed to be. He's supposed to be the great father, the great caretaker, the great one who cares for the people. Hagar, the stranger, should be cared for by this person. And yet, what does Abram do? Do with her as you please. Where's the protection? Where's the care? Then princess mistreated the stranger, and so she fled. Get this person out of here. I do not want to see her. I don't want to even hear it. <clears throat> the angel of the Lord found the stranger near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, the stranger, slave of princess, where have you come from? Where are you going? I'm running from my mistress, the princess, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord said, go back to your mistress and submit to her. I, yeah. Man, th- there's a whole big thing in there. The stranger, the resident alien, the foreigner, is supposed to go back and submit. Then the angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. In other words, it's through the stranger once again that God is fulfilling his promises. So the stranger bore great father a son, and great father gave the name. Listen, God will hear. He will hear. He will pay attention to the son she had born. Great father was 86 years old when the stranger bore him Ishmael. God will hear. Now, just changing that changes the whole scope of what may be going on here. Abram's supposed to be this great father, the father of many. To whom he's going to bless, he will be blessed. And he neglects. And he's supposed to be familiar with this. God is telling him, you will be a stranger and your descendants will be strangers. And all throughout the rest of the Torah, all throughout the rest of the teachings, there are very specific ways of how you're supposed to treat strangers, how you're supposed to care for the foreigners, the resident aliens, the people who do not belong with you. And yet, Abram fails, but God doesn't. Notice that in the story. 
even though Abram and Sarai kick her out of camp and say, I don't want to have anything to do with you because you somehow got blessed in a way that I didn't, God still went and loved the stranger. And his promises still came through. Hagar, the stranger. And he still fulfills his promises. In other words, this is maybe somehow I, how I would translate it. It doesn't matter how you are treating foreigners, resident aliens, strangers among you. God is still going to care deeply about the stranger, the foreigner, the resident alien, the person who does, does not, quote, belong. Now, let's bring it home. We know what a stranger is. <clears throat> There's people in our midst who have different levels of education. And again, this is going to, let's bring it home here. People who come into our midst that maybe have different levels of education, different levels of economy. These are people that we might call strangers. You're, you're strange. You, you, live, you live in a different world than I live in. We know about ethnicity and race, which is obviously a big contentious thing in our history that we have to continually still deal with. Those people, all of us actually, are strangers in that sense. Different ethnicities, different races, different languages. Let's talk about different personalities. Oh, there's some strange people. Somebody who has a different letter set. That's a strange person. And I really, you know, you don't, do you really belong here? You know, with your kind of introverted carry a book with you wherever you go kind of a deal, sit in a corner and don't socialize. Yes, I'm talking about me. I'm sorry about that. But that's a strange person. And then let's be honest, children, parents, aunts, uncles, grandparents, they are very strange people. In fact, you raise kids and you're like, who is this person in my home? Do you really belong here? Because of the changes, family and friends. We have strangers all around us. This idea, this concept, this analogy, this picture, I love because it's very, very close to home. We have strangers around us all the time. By the way, we know what it means to be a stranger too. If we take the idea of stranger being in a foreign land, in a foreign place, in a community that you are unfamiliar with, where you do not have all the rights and the privileges and the protections that you are supposed to have as a person? Let's think about changes and shifts in life, where you go from a new life to an old life. That could be a shift and a change in career. You could go from one job to another job, and all of a sudden you find out that you are the stranger. I, I don't really know if I belong here. And all these people have a culture and, and a way of doing things, but I'm, I'm not quite sure if I fit in here. If you have a crisis of faith, if you in both directions. you deeply involved in the church, and then all of a sudden you're falling away. Now you find yourself in strange land, strange territory. Or maybe you've been very distant from God, and you start moving closer and closer to God, starting to have experiences with the Spirit, and, and your whole community back at home that once knew you as the non-believer is now like, you're a strange person. You're in a strange and foreign land. This is unfortunately a very visceral, very real, very personal, very, very hurtful, painful, strange land. This is when transition, you suddenly find yourself in a world that you never thought that you would belong in. And you don't know how you got there. You do, are the rights and the privileges and the protections, do they belong to you? Maybe you're balding or just getting older. I don't know. So the question is for us. The story of Sarai and Hagar, the princess and the stranger and the great father, I would suggest to us is about how we treat, honestly, 
the stranger. It's about how we understand strange people, strange places. And we even sing a song. We even talk about this in our, in our worship. Jesus sought me when I was a stranger. Have you ever in your life felt like a stranger? Like you just absolutely did not belong. You, you had a transition, a shift, a change. Maybe your identity, your race, your religion, your language, your employment, your economic status, and then you find you, and you're just not quite sure how to belong. We've all felt like strangers. Jesus sought me when I was a stranger, wandering from the fold of God. He'd rescue me from danger and oppose his precious blood. And then there's New Testament passages which you can look up and talk about. I was a stranger in Matthew, and you invited me in. Ephesians 2 talks about our identity in Christ. You are no longer strangers and foreigners and aliens. Oh, that feeling and sense that I don't belong, that has shifted and changed in Christ? Yes, that has changed. Third, 3 John 1, 5 talks about, you are blessed, you church community, because you have honored and loved the stranger among you. So what I take from the story of Hagar and Sarai is simply this. Welcome, all of you who are strange. And by the way, we got some strange people in here. I almost pointed them out, but I won't. And you are welcome here. There may have been times and people in places and unfortunately churches and institutions where you were not welcomed, where the surprise of life said, you know what, you have some, just go. Uh, I don't really get you. And you got, felt like you got kicked out. What, whether that was a relationship status or an economic status, whatever it is, and you felt like you were a stranger, treated like Hagar, kicked out, and there was no great father there to give you the love and the protection and the compassion that you needed, you're welcome here. Because that's the story that God, God comes to Hagar and says, you are welcome here. So to the strangers that are sitting on the left and your right, and the strangers that haven't even come to Spark yet, and the strangers that are sitting in your cubicle, and the strangers that you fully fundamentally disagree with, and the strangers that you're not quite sure if you how much you have in common with. Those strangers, you are welcome. You are welcome here. God has heard. Ishmael, God has, and he will hear you. And he is with you. And even though Abram, the great father, may not have protected you, God did. And he loves, and he hears, and he has that compassion. So welcome, stranger. If you've ever felt that way, you are welcome here. It is also our commission as a church. Whoever walks through those doors, they're from a different faith, they're a stranger, they're welcome here. They're of a different orientation, they're a stranger, they're welcome here. They're from a different economic background, they're a stranger, they are welcome here. They're from a different race, they're a stranger, they're welcome here. So I've written this little up. Welcome, stranger. To the loving, rescuing, reconciling, redeeming, resurrecting, God immersed, sometimes uncomfortable, always safe, ever perplexing, wonderfully enlightening, soul-inspiring, awe-filled, Jesus-centered community called the church. You are a stranger, and you are welcome here, all y'all. Why? 
Because as God reminded Abram, Abram, you're a stranger too. We're all strangers on this journey. We're all lost sometimes. We're all uncomfortable at times. We're all miserable failures sometimes. We've all experienced loss, prejudice, judgment, condemnation, exile, exclusion, insecurity, misery, loneliness. And we're all still fully, completely, unconditionally loved and welcomed by God, our great Father. So, welcome here, all of us. You are welcome here. And enjoy. Asking the radiance and the presence of God. Oh, those moments in my life where I felt so distant and so far away. Such a foreigner. There is a great Father who opens up his arms and says, I have not forgotten you, and I love you. And there is a church and a community where you belong, and you are loved, and you are cared for. And just, and it's okay to be in that vulnerable place where the very fullness of your life, the very life breath is fully dependent upon those who are around you. Well, that's what the church is. To be there to surround and to love and to comfort, support, and encourage. So welcome, stranger, every single one of you to this church. I've asked Dave to sing this song because it has that phrasing there, Jesus sought me when I was a stranger. So as we close tonight, I would encourage you to turn your heart and your soul to two directions. One, you may still feel like a stranger and you just need to hear Jesus is seeking you while you were a stranger. Number two, there may be a stranger in your life that God is asking you to open up your arms to to love, to welcome in to the community. Joy boxes are in the back and online. Thank you again for your um, faithfulness and your giving. Tony's in the back, of course. Please hang out, have some coffee and some beverages. And um, I'd like to just say a blessing at the end. May we feel the presence and love of a great welcoming Heavenly Father. May we know that he has heard and has heeded and has extended his love and grace to our souls. And may we together embrace and welcome each other as the Father has embraced and welcomed us. May we together be responsible for caring for and being compassionate towards every stranger in this strange land. Amen. Amen. Have a great week.